Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host Alex Metzger, and right beside me for the first time in probably over a year, well maybe not over a year, I think it was late last summer, almost a year, my co-host Chase McCallum. We are finally back recording the same room, mostly because Chase forgot his laptop charger <laughs> six hours away and physically does not have a laptop, but uh, yeah, it's good to be back and in the same room, and we are here for our Western Conference uh, free agency recap. Obviously, uh, we did our Eastern one yesterday, so if you haven't heard that yet, go check it out. Um, but we're coming back with the Pacific and Central, and I think this one might be just as long, if not longer. Um, I, I feel like sometimes the West we don't talk about as much just because we're not quite as familiar with the teams maybe and just, you know, that classic Eastern bias. But it feels like the Western teams just, they did a lot this uh, off season. That and they have Seattle. Yes. So it lends themselves to a lot more storylines. Yes, exactly. So um, we'll start with the Anaheim Ducks, who actually really didn't do too much, to be honest, this offseason. This will be one of the quicker ones. Uh, their big move was re-signing Captain Ryan Getzlaff to a one-year deal. Uh, $3 million with incentives that can go up to $4.5. Uh, he was apparently debating going somewhere like Edmonton, Calgary, and... I think Minnesota or Dallas was the third option, I believe. The real who's who of elite teams. Yeah, there was definitely some teams that could use the centermen, but um, at the end of the day, he decides to circle back and stay with Anaheim. And it's kind of one of the guys that I want to see just retire as a duck. Like, he has his cup. It's not like he needs another one, so it it would be nice. Cool to see him uh, just retire as an all-time great Anaheim duck, you know, so... Um, it'll be interesting to see how many more years he goes. He's still an effective enough player, but he definitely can't drive his own line. He's not putting up his own points anymore. No, 100%. Which is, I mean, if Anaheim wants to be good, he obviously needs to be great. But, of course, Anaheim doesn't want to be good, and it doesn't look like they're going to be. So, yeah, it's fine that he's going to be a third liner or whatever the heck he ends up as. Yeah, exactly. It's not like it really matters all that much anyways, because this team is in a bad division and might be one of the worst teams in it. So, yep. um, you know, and they still have $19 million in cap space. This, this makes them hit the floor, basically. So I don't think they have any issues handing out uh, um, a $3 million contract or anything like that. Um, I'm trying to see if what the if there are actual performance bonuses on it because it said it could get up to 4.5. Yeah, yeah. there are. Um, I don't have what those performance bonuses are, but... Uh, I'm sure it's probably like games played, maybe a points one or whatever, and then maybe even a wild, like if they make the playoffs or something like or that. first round or, yeah, first round win or something like that. Yeah, so, because I, I know when Chara signed with Washington, it was like 15 games played is a certain amount. I think 20 was like another 500K or something like that. Yeah. But, yeah, so, um, other than that, they haven't done a ton, I don't, like, I don't think they really made any big trades either. Uh, I'm just trying to make double check that that is true, but they kind of they're gonna have to do something else. They currently only have five NHL defensemen um, under contract now. Jamie Drysdale is technically in the minors, so he'll probably come up. So maybe that'll be their sixth. But um, yeah, this definitely feels like a team that if you need some salary relief, you could probably still talk to because they have ten forwards and five defensemen under cap right now, and uh, that seems like it probably is going to change at some point. Yeah, I would think so. Although, weren't these guys like a budget team even when they were kind of good? Yeah, they're definitely one of the cheaper teams in the league, and they have a pretty small front office. So, I don't think they'll be going towards 80, but I could see them picking up like three or four more mil in salary. Yeah, something like that. Especially because they have to sign some RFAs. And with like 10 mil in cap space instead of 20. 
Yeah, exactly. So um, it'll be interesting to see, but they really didn't have a big free agency day at all. So uh, we'll just keep on moving because, uh, you know, that hit, we hit their four minutes anyway. So uh, let's go to the next team, and that would be the Calgary Flames, who definitely did uh, a little more. Now, we, it's curious because we thought maybe they would uh, try and um, – tear it down. I thought especially after they lost Giordano, that would be what they did, but they still don't seem too convinced that that's what they want to do. It kind of feels like they're going to try and take another run at things, and I I don't know if I really understand that, to be honest. Weirdest was like, they went out of their way to expose Gio, right? Yeah, like... like they had to ask him to wave. It's not like there's this... Like, I guess, who would have lost? It would have been, like, Rasmus Anderson. Yeah, or, like, Tanev, I guess. Which, I don't know. Like, is that the end of the world? I don't think so. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm really worried about their defense core because, you know, I said going into last year, you know, for things to go right, they needed growth from Kylington, Valimaki, Anderson, and Hannafin. You know, at least two of those guys, and they really didn't get it too much none of that happened and they got they got a, was still good yeah and tanov ended up being like pete chris tanov yeah and i don't think that's gonna happen and now with geo gone i'd be scared that what to see tanov's at and they didn't really do anything to address it they don't have a backup goalie right now actually no that's not true they traded for um uh daniel vladder from the the boston bruins for a third round pick um so he will probably be their backup goalie which you could do worse than that. Um, they do have Tyler Parsons as well, and then Dustin Wolf is a 20-year-old. So they'll have some coming through. But um, then up front, their big move was Blake Coleman. Uh, six years for 4.9. Just such an aggressive contract that uh, really doesn't move the needle and is going to be one of those ugly ones that you look back on the, like a Lucic contract in a couple years. Yeah, exactly. These are the contracts why Tampa wins cups because they didn't sign this and why Calgary doesn't. Yeah, and, like, it's just, it's so bad that it's, like, there's almost no point in going into it at length because we already know it's bad. Yeah, I haven't actually heard, usually there's a rush to be, like, oh, Milan Lucic brings the character or whatever to the room and it's so worth the $6 million. I don't think I've seen anyone defend the Coleman contract. Everybody's just like, yeah, this is going to suck. Yeah, everyone's like, yeah, it's good for now, but like, it's probably an overpayment now, and it's going to be even uglier later, so it's not that great. Yeah, like, exactly. That's about what it is, you know? Like, He's a good player. He's a fine player, but I don't know if I would give him 4.9 today. I definitely wouldn't want to when he's 32, 33, 34, and 35 years old. Yeah, 100%. So... Um, yeah, that's all there really is to talk about with Calgary. Uh, they'll be an interesting team. I, I really can't wait to preview. I mentioned this at the end of last episode. It feels like, you know, we're getting ready for the off season. There's about four weeks, and then we're really going to start ramping up into preview season again. Does the season start at normal time? Yes, they're starting mid-October again. I don't okay. know if it's first week, but I think it's mid-October. Okay, so the off season usually we're at, like, the we're arguing about Julius Honka, whether he's an effective third-pair defenseman at this point. Yeah, and it's probably good because the there was nothing to talk about for three days in between the, the roster freeze with the Seattle Kraken, and all of hockey Twitter broke down into how lonely and horny they are. So. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, so it's probably good that there is stuff to talk about. But, um, yeah, I keep saying, like, we'll talk about them in the offseason. And it's like, well, I don't know if we're going to have time for all this stuff. But uh, let's move on as well to the next team, which would be uh, – I'm pulling it up now. Uh, the Edmonton – ooh, this is another fun one. The Edmonton Oilers. Uh, one we've talked about at length already on this podcast for a couple of weeks now. 
Um, they ended up trading Ethan Bear for Warren Fogle. We talked about how we liked that from Carolina's perspective. I don't love it from Edmonton's just in terms of what like you're replacing Bear with. The trade in a vacuum is kind of whatever. I don't hate Warren Fogle. They then signed him to a three-year deal with a 2.75 cap hit. Feels a little unnecessary for a bottom six forward. It does, but it's... He's fine. It was fine. I like the Derek Ryan signing. One, I really like the Derek Ryan. Two signing. years, one point two five. I think that he'll be a real good slot in for the four C, maybe even the three C there if you want to put Turris at a four C. Um, and then we have a load of signings to get to here that are just so much fun. Uh, we talked about the Mike Smith one, how it was actually kind of smart to tack on that second year. Uh, let's get to Cody CC first. What do you like? Cody Cece was not bad last year. He had okay on analytics in Toronto. But if you watch him for two seconds, you know that like he's a guy that the analytics might over probably do overrate. And you need to use him in such a specific way um, to get value out of him. And it's so specific that you're never going to get $3.25 million of value out of him for one year, let alone four. I just, like, what? who are you bidding against that you had to give Cody Cece four years? A hundred percent. And Cody Cece is like a good example for anchoring, like the anchoring effect. And I bet you Rasmus Ristolainen is going to do this next year, where a guy posts like the worst numbers in the entire league, and then he comes out and he's only a mediocre six. And everybody's like, wow, it was a huge win. He was actually decent when like if a normal player put up these results, he would still be like, this guy's awful. Yeah, well, like... Ethan Bear put up just probably better results last year than Cody CC. I think so. And they shipped him out because they just couldn't have that on the team. And, like, the problem is they're probably going to use CC Keith as a shutdown pair this year, That's too. That's going to go awesome. Oh. Hey, worked well for the, the Sens. Oh, God. Like, and, like, the FNUF. Uh, yeah, when CC was three years younger and FNUF was probably better than what Duncan Keith is at this point in his career for a shutdown guy. That's probably like, true. It was the sad part. Yeah, like... And then, like, the, like this might be a bottom three decor in the entire league. Maybe even the worst. If it wasn't for Vancouver, I'd confidently say it's bottom one. Yeah. And, like, but, even yeah. Vancouver, like, the only thing that's holding them on is that they have uh, Quinn Hughes. Like, yeah. um, and, and the only thing I'd say for, for Edmonton is that um, Bouchard might play. Yeah. And hopefully you pray that he just does enough where it's like, yeah, we really like him and he's going to play above Cody CC on the right side. But they then re-signed Tyson Berry too, which the whole thing about Duncan Keith coming in is people are like, well, maybe they'll give him power play time. Yeah. Well, then why are you re-signing Tyson Berry to a three-year deal that averages $4.5 million? That's absolutely ridiculous. And of course they're going to give Barry the... Yeah, because it was perfect last year. And then there's now rumors that, and then this hasn't been confirmed as we're recording, but that's what's broken is that Nurse is going to get eight years at nine million too, which like, again, Nurse had a great year last year. Before last year, he was nothing above a two. Poor Connor McDavid. Like, this is just going to be such a disaster so quickly. Well, the worst is, with Nurse's results, wasn't the number one thing that changed just his on-ice shooting percentage? Yeah, like, I think him, I think he is 5v5 number, like, underlying numbers looked better last year, too. Better, but not, like... Not, like, godly. Yeah. Like, he was, like, I think a number one, but in the number one sense of, like, how Jake Muzzin is a number one. Yeah, or, like, the old Morgan Riley days were, like, yeah. look, he's a number one, but he's, like, the 27th best in the league it, at Exactly. Like, it's not a number one of, like, this guy's a stud who's going to play in all... Well, I mean, they played him. 
in all positions. But yeah, like look at, I just pulled up his RAPM. His goals for per 60 is off the charts. And then, granted, his expected goals for and Corsi for are both very solid. But it's not like he was a stud defensively last year either. And that gets, this thing gets worse when you look at his multi-year. So That's fair. But I, I don't know. Like if you, it's just a classic offseason on this decor where it's like if they would have made one of the five moves they made, it would be bad. But like whatever. The fact that they made all five of them, it's like, oh my god, like, what are you doing? It's so impressive. I love this team so much. And we haven't even got to, like, Zach Hyman thing, where it's just like... To their most negative EV. Yeah, like, seven years of 5.5. And, like, I just see so many people defending it of just like, well, they need to get Connor McDavid now, but I think it was Jack Hahn who made a really good point on the PDO cast, where he's like... Edmonton's problem isn't who's playing with Connor McDavid. Like, no, that has never been their problem. How much better do you think Connor McDavid can get by plugging Zach Hyman on his wing? Is he going to score 150 points now yeah. instead of 130? Like, their problem is depth scoring, which Zach Hyman doesn't really move the needle. He's shown he showed last year that he could maybe drive his own third line, which is helpful. But like, you need them to score, not just drive the res- like. You need them to drive results, which I'm not as confident in Hyman doing. Yeah, because he can definitely drive XG. As long as somebody can finish the chances, but of course, no one on Edmonton's third line is going to finish the chances that he's going to help provide for them. No, like unless you're sliding R and H down to play with him, I guess. And even then, yeah, mate, that could work. But like, I don't know if they're going to do that. I doubt they will. <laughs> yeah. So like, like the whole thing about like, oh, like Connor McDavid needs better players. Like, no, no, no. Connor McDavid should be making the Zach Hyman's that you let other teams go by for five point five for eight or seven years or whatever. Um, and you should be making those and plugging new guys in. You shouldn't be yeah. having to go buy that type of player. You should be drafting and developing them. Like, so, um, I don't know. Like, uh, just an ugly, ugly offseason. Uh, we will talk about them at length, I'm sure, keep going forward, too. But, I would think so. Um, we can probably move on, I think, at this point to a new team. Um, and I would say we're, we're flying through here. I'm not going to lie. The first two were a lot less than I thought there was, but... Um, this is another busy team that we're getting into here, and that's the LA Kings. Uh, they seem to have identified that that third, maybe even second spot in the Pacific is open, and I think they're going to try and take a, a run at it here. Like, I don't know if they will get it, but at worst, I think they're the like, fifth best team in this division. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, Vegas, clearly. And then you can make an argument for all three of Vancouver, Calgary, and Edmonton. Yeah. And then it's probably them in Seattle. Yeah. Like. Yeah, like they could they could sneak in easily. Enough. Yeah. And like I don't know, like people will get to the Central too. People keep saying the Central's pretty good. Is it? Like it's better than the dog shit Pacific, but like the Central's got the Coyotes in it this year. Who that is nice. aren't very good. The Blackhawks have loaded up, but aren't going to be very good, I don't think. Obviously, Colorado's unreal. Dallas is still getting older. Minnesota, I don't know what they're going to do with their cap situation. Nashville's trying to tank. St. Louis has been regressing for two years. And Winnipeg has Connor Hellebuck. And then just, I mean, Winnipeg, I think, will get better. They made some active improvements to their decor. But, yeah, but I mean, like, it's not like the Central's a murderer's row of teams either. Like, if... So, given the way the league is, and, like, Kitchener-Waterloo gets an expansion team, and you run it, and you're trying to win a cup, which division do you pick? Obviously not the Atlantic. No, it's probably the Pacific. Yeah, but you have to go through an elite team. 
But you're going to have to no matter what. Well, I mean, not in the Metro, but, like, you're going to have to go through Tampa or someone when you get to the... Like, you're going to have to go through elite teams no matter what. So, I think if it's... I would just try and take the Pacific because it's the easiest one to getting in. and I mean, that's kind of what you're going to have to do. Yeah, I think that's probably the right answer. Because the Central, like, you're going to have to go through Colorado. Yeah, you don't want to pick. No. So, it'd be, yeah, the Metro or the Pacific, and it's like, even the Metro... Until this year, I wouldn't have really wanted to go against, like, Carolina or anything like that either, no. right? And the Metro, the problem is, too, is if you only get in as a wild card, you might have to play Tampa in round one anyway. That's also Right? True. So, whereas, like, the Pacific, if you built a good enough team, you could, like, basically be guaranteed second spot. But... Yeah, true. <laughs> which is, like, sad to say, but, um, like, it's not that far off. But, yeah, L.A. really seems like they are... Uh, Wanting to excel this rebuild. I don't know if that's the right call or not. It'll be interesting to see how it works out. Apparently they're doing it because Kopitar and Doughty are tired of losing. And to that I say, boo-hoo. You're the reason they're losing. Especially Drew Doughty. But especially like, Doughty. But, like, if that's the reason they're really trying to accelerate, I don't really... I'm, I'm a lot more worried. If it was just that they see a clear open division and they think their prospects are just, like, that cusp away from be- making a big step forward... I wouldn't have hated bringing in Phil Deneau, Victor Arvidsson. Like, I defended the Arvidsson trade. The Deneau contract, that's their big one, obviously. I don't really get that one quite as much, but, like, I guess at least you can argue where, like, it's going to protect Quinton Byfield if you want to bring him in as a 2 or 3C, or a 3C, I guess, instead. And then you have Kopitar and uh, um, uh, Deneau, sorry, which, like... That's a pretty good one-two shutdown uh, centerman core. Yeah, it is. And if you're still confident that Quinton Byfield is like a Jack Eichel-level prospect, a lot of these moves make a lot more sense. But like, I think Byfield will still be good. He was so good going into his draft year, you can't like turn on him that quickly. But like last year should concern you at least a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it's tough because he just didn't really have a place to play either. Like, I think yeah. in an ideal world, he was probably just learning and tearing up the AHL last year, right? And, like, he got to play 32 games, but it was in a weird... And he had 20 points in those 32 games and then just didn't do much in the six that he came up for. Yeah. But Which is impressive for... What was he, like, 18? 18, yeah. yeah. So, and a young 18, too, if I remember Yeah, because he signed his ELC when he was 17. Yeah. So, um, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I... I I, I think it's still that pro- they probably do still think he's like that Jack Eichel tier prospect, which, like, at this point, they're screwed if he's not, anyways. So it's yeah. like you may as well, because if he's not, you're probably just going to be spinning your wheels no matter what. Because so, if he's not the guy, if he's just Johnny Gaudreau, then you're Calgary. Or, yeah, or exactly. Whatever. So it's like you may as well give him the best possible chance. And I, I guess the way they see that doing that is just trying to secure him. And I don't hate it. I think the term with the no is a little long. Um, and Deneau's got to be thank- so thankful that uh, that playoff run happened because, like, his AAV, his cap hit and term probably doubled because of this playoff run, right? Like, Yeah, given the playoff run, I'm almost surprised it wasn't more. Yeah, like, I was, because I think he turned down five or five and a half by six or seven from Montreal earlier in the year, yeah. is what the report was. So, like, I was, I'm surprised he wasn't shooting for six, six and a half, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's an okay signing. I like Deneau was uh, constantly one of the most underrated players in the league, and then boom, one playoff run hits, and it's like, 
okay, he might be a little overrated now. Yeah, let's relax all Because, like, he is very strong defensively, but at some point you do need to put the puck in the net a little bit as well. Like, Yeah, also the way people talked about him, especially after the Leaf series, with that, was that he was, like, a magic eraser. It was like... The, the Marner line still had, like, a 60-plus yeah, percent XG. They had their guy. chances. They just weren't burying like it. Like just Price because stopped Carey Price yeah. is making saves doesn't mean you're a god at defense. Yeah, he exactly. is quite good at defense, but he's not, like, peak Bergeron and Datsuk level. No, not at all. And then um, they also signed Edler to a one-year $3.5 million deal. Don't really understand that one either. Not in a flat cap, flat cap world. Like, they have the space, I guess. Like, I mean, they're at 2.7. I mean, it's one year, right? But, yeah, I don't really, like... There wasn't, like, horrible last year, if I remember correctly, but you should be able to find somebody with better, like, uh, upside or whatever for that move. Yeah, like, he was just very, like, close to replacement, almost. Like, a little above that, but, like... which, in Vancouver, if you can put up just, like, tolerable results on the blue line, maybe... Maybe that's a really big compliment, actually, but... Yeah, and then they re-signed uh, Athanasiu to a one-year 2.7 deal, and Leah Anderson as well, um, and that made up the bulk of their free agency day, if I'm not mistaken. Um, don't think they made any other trades that I'm looking at. No, I don't think um, so. Those so, two deals were fine. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. I don't hate what they've done this offseason. I'm a little worried that if it's just trying to treat... Please... They're captains. Uh, that's a little more frightening. But just in terms of overall, like I think this team's got a pretty bright future. And given how bad the division is, I can't really blame them for saying, oh, let's just go take a swing at it. Yeah. it's good. They're very New Jersey West, the way they had their offseason, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of pushed their chips in. It's like, man, if this draft's as good as everybody's saying, you really probably should have just waited a year. But Yeah, that's also very fair. Um Next team is the San Jose Sharks, who just before recording re-signed Aiden Hill. They still don't have an AAV. It's two years. I can't imagine the AAV is very high. But So they go from um, Martin Jones and I don't even know who they're back. Aaron Dell, I think, maybe, last year. Dell sounds right. I don't even know. Dell might have been a couple years ago. I don't they, know if I watched a Sharks game last year. I watched a couple to see Eric Carlson play, and that was about it. Yeah, like, that's fair. And then uh, they went from that to James Reimer and Aiden Hill, which is a clear upgrade in my opinion. But It's hard to be a downgrade on Jones. This team's so bad, I don't think it's going to matter. No, this team's going to be horrible. Yeah, like, their cap sheet is just so ugly. Obviously, there's a Vander Kane stuff going on right now. I don't need to get into that too much while we don't have any of the details. His wife made some allegations that he has gambled his entire money away and also bet on his own games and bet his team to lose. Um, so the league is looking into that right now. We'll wait till the, the conclusion of that stuff, obviously. Um, they did sign Nick Bonino. Uh, kind of just looks like they're just kind of playing around the edges here knowing their team's going to be bad. And then I'm assuming the Bonino signing is just kind of like will sign him. I mean, it's two years, so like maybe next year they'll try and flip him at the deadline. Yeah, and he's warm body for now. Yeah, exactly. Because they don't really have prospects ready to come up because they haven't really had draft picks for the past four years. Exactly. And I can't imagine San Jose has an easy time attracting free agents right now. Yeah, I mean... It is living in San Jose, but... There's worse places to live, that's yeah. for sure. So, But yeah, they're definitely not going to get like a Dano or anything like that, right? So, exactly. And I don't think that would fit this team either, so... Yeah, I mean, just kind of stay the course, and that you kind of have to because there's really nothing else you can do. This team sucks. They're so locked in; it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. like, and so, and that's kind of what they'll be for a little bit here. Um, ooh, the Kraken. So 
as more and more time goes on, it is just more and more obvious how badly they butchered this expansion draft. Yeah, and they just have no, like, they've made some moves that make sense in a vacuum, but there's no, like, coherent plan here, I don't think. No, and that's what it really seems like. And they were like, like, people had mentioned their, the, the Grubauer thing. They're like, well, they weren't planning on Grubauer to be available. It's like, okay, but, like, is Philip Grubauer being available enough to make you just completely ditch whatever plan you've been planning for the past 12 months? <laughs> yeah, if you have a long-term plan, it's, like, it's, I think it's a huge indictment of whatever plan you had that you're like, Philip Grubauer is enough to light this thing on fire. Yeah, and just, like... They're gonna win. Try and win every game one nothing. Like I don't think they're gonna get absolutely blown out, but they don't. They don't have scores. That is one clear thing, especially when the second they signed the the Larson and Alexia contracts was like, oh, so like they clearly believe even strength defense is either a market inefficiency or the only way they can win games. Yeah, exactly. Or some combination of the two. I just feel like they overpaid everyone they signed. And, I mean, this is a classic free agency day, but, like, Wenberg, I liked Wenberg, not at 4.5 and not for three years at that money. Yeah. Like, chop it to 3 by 3 maybe. Jane Schwartz, again, used to be a huge analytics darling, has seen his numbers decline for years, a couple of years now, and he still gets four, five and a half for five years. I spent so, a disgusting amount of time thinking about that Jaden Schwartz contract. He's the exact kind of player that just always... Like, he, yeah, he is the analytics darling. He has a season where he's, like, the 28th best forward in the league. And then when he goes to UFA, he signs, like, what turns out to be one of the worst contracts in the league. The, like Louis Erickson, Milan Lucic style. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's just gross, really. Like, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, Philip Grubauer. Again, like Grubauer as a goalie, I think there's legitimate questions about whether Colorado's system propped them up quite a bit. And... Six-year term for a 29-year-old kind of sucks regardless, and then you're paying him 5.9 as well. Like, I think Grubauer will be fine. I think he's in the 7 to 10 range for, like, top goalies in the league. Yeah, if you said Grubauer's 10, I would Yeah, think, like, like, nobody would He's an He's clearly an above-average starter, but he's not like that. I don't think he's an elite starter or anything like that. Like, yeah, he yeah. rightly got some Vesna votes this year, but he's not a Vesna caliber goalie year in, year out, right? Exactly. Like, and the fact that it's tough to know with goalies if the system did prop them up, because sometimes it's the other way around too, but playing with Colorado definitely didn't hurt. Yeah. Like, But yeah, and that's the other thing I don't understand about this team is like everyone, like we were praising them for how they approached their goalies because it was like they went super cheap. Like they're spending like four mil total or four and a half mil total uh, or yeah, five and a half over three guys and all of them could work out. And then they go, no, never mind. Now we're going to go spend nine million on our goaltending or yeah. whatever. It's like, why well, you just didn't need to do that. Yeah, it was a class. Like it, anytime... They would make a couple moves, and it was like, oh, so this is their plan. They just like, fully oh, revert on it. That's like, not their plan. They yeah. just don't have one. Exactly. And, like, they so they came out of this whole thing with, you know how, like, the reason Vegas is so good right now and looks to be set for the future is because they came out with just, yes, they absolutely ripped off teams and got some great prospects right away, but they came out with just a war chest full of picks yeah. to the point where this past draft, they were still using a pick that they got in their original expansion draft. I forgot about that. Seattle came out with an extra fourth for this year and next year and an extra second next year, and that is it. Like, that is just... I think it's fair to say, no matter, and this team is, they're probably going to go out and put out fine results. So people will be like, oh, see, they clearly couldn't have screwed it up that bad. They messed up this expansion draft. Brutally. Like, 
one of the worst handlings I think they ever could have had. Because, like, even when Vegas did it, we were like, you probably could have got more picks, but they did get a bunch of picks, and we're like, this team is going to suck. Well, they didn't end up sucking. It ended up being the exact opposite. But even the draft set them up so well that they could just use those picks and go, okay, we're not actually a bad team. Now, maybe their plans were to tank for year one. They're like, we clearly can't tank anymore, so let's shift into being a let's good team. Go let's get Pacioretty. Let's get Statsny. A year and a half later, they went and got Mark Stone. Yeah. It's like, and, and that's exactly what you should be doing. Whereas, like, it just kind of feels like Seattle is okay with being the 10th best team in the West and the third best team in their own division that just gets absolutely destroyed in round one no matter what. Yeah, and, like the way Ottawa used to be where it's like they come eighth one year and then miss the point. Yeah, and, like, and like they just feel like they're bound to set them up for mediocrity to start. It's like, why would you start a franchise like that? It's like I get that'll get fans in right away to like maybe make a playoff push, but like the long-term fix of that feels like it's bad. Like I, I'd much rather see the team either try and be as good as they possibly can or as bad as they possibly can, right? Like Exactly, because also like are fans really pumped to watch – um, Adam Larson suppress expected goals against. <laughs> like if they're winning, sure, but like if they're in eighth place or yeah. whatever, I don't know. Like, like Brandon Tanev to really tough it out on the fourth line. Like, I, I get there's some value there, but I really think that doesn't move the needle in terms of butts and seeds. Yeah, well, and just like also like the other thing too is just like, um, what was I going to say? Oh, now I've lost it. Uh, oh, I've completely... Oh, yeah. It was the, the thing. I don't want to harp on this, this too much, but, like, there were some picks where we went, like, what are they doing picking, like, whoever... The, Gavin Bayreuther from the Columbus Blue Jackets? They just let him sign with them again in free agency. They're like, no, we don't need him. Just, we're not going to qualify you. You walk. It's like, you're telling me you couldn't have picked up, like, a Max Domi and flipped him for a sixth-round pick somewhere or whatever. Or, like... Especially because they haven't, like, if they've done something really creative since then with the cap space, you'd be like, okay. Yeah, like, if they took on bad contracts sense. for picks, it'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, they took on Tyler Johnson for a, a second or a first or something like yeah, that. Yeah, instead you know? of risking not getting something for Domi at the deadline, they take a second and a fourth right now. You'd be like, okay, like, that that makes sense. But, but they just... <laughs> they're just sitting there. Yeah, they're just chilling. They spend a bunch of bad money in free agency, and now they look like they're going to be a painfully mediocre team, not just this year, but going forward. And that sucks, you know? Like, Yeah, it really does. Like, you're just looking at it right now, like, I don't know. Like, even Gustav Nyquist would have, I don't even know if he was protected or not, but, like, that would have been a better option to take than Someone. Gavin Baberuther. Yeah, as long as you keep that term down. Yeah, or, like, I'm pretty sure they protected Wierenski, Gavrikov, and... Uh, Kukin maybe on the back end? I don't can't remember the third one. But, like, take Miko Lettinen or Scott Harrington or something like that, you know? Like, something. Just whatever is, like, a, 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 yeah, like, I don't, I really don't understand that. Take a chance at a guy you can dump for a fourth-round pick instead of yeah, like <laughs> you're not even going to sign. Yeah, I just, I, I don't understand that. I don't understand their offseason. I don't understand their plan. But, uh, well, I'll definitely keep an eye on it. Let's go to another team, uh, the Vancouver Canucks. Oh, God. Uh, again, a team now, we talked this about. This is a team with a plan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's crazy the similarities between Vancouver and Edmonton, where it's so clear that both GMs know that they are not going to be here in four yeah. years, so this is not going to be their problem. Yeah. You could teach a lecture about moral hazard just using Jim <laughs> Benning and Ken Holland signing yeah. contracts. Their free agency day, I will say, 
better than most of the offseason, but they still went out and gave uh, Luke Shen two years at 850k. Tucker Pullman, they gave him four years at 2.5 million dollars. That one was so bad. The Derek Forbert ask of like. Not even Winnipeg won. And the worst part is Vancouver played this guy nine times last year. Yeah. Watch him just get turned around and go, yes, we need that guy on our blue line. Jim Benning's a genius. (laughs) And then uh, I I did like the Halak signing. I thought that was a solid backup option for Demko. Yeah, that was fine. But yeah, like that's just, it's so funny how just like, and Travis Hamanick, two years, $3 million. Like Some of that like pro scouting decisions these guys make, like let's say... Jim Benning was at least as good as some people, like the ones who really hype him up, say he is at drafting. I would still refuse to believe that's anything other than luck because of how horrible <laughs> their pro scouting is. That, like, I can't believe that he actually evaluates any talent that well. Yeah, like, because it, it's just like, I don't know, like, Ottawa's another one that obviously gets the drafting thing, right? Where it's yeah. like Dorian's a great drafter, and then their pro scouting is questionable to be sure, but it's like, not even Ottawa signs deals like yeah, this. Yeah, it's not like... Like, they do dumb stuff, as every team does, but they don't just do... Maybe it's because they don't have the money, but yeah, they do like, active... Like, they're not bringing on OEL to be... No, well, and just like every year, it's like... Yeah, um, he signed these the bad contracts, like Louis Erickson, all those. He's one year away from it. He goes, nah, I'm going to get rid of those and bring some more on for even more term. Yep. His big two moves last offseason were uh, Braden Holtby and... Uh, uh, Nate Schmidt. Yeah. One got traded and hated in Vancouver so much he waved to Winnipeg, which he denied three different <laughs> times. And the other one he had to buy out because everyone said giving him the second year at four million wasn't smart. And it turns out it wasn't smart. And then they still just turn around and go, yeah, let's give Tucker Pullman the contract that's going to look horrible now. Um, Leon, let's go get Luke Shen on this team. I love that because. Every now and then you'll still see a comment like when people rip a move and it's like, oh, you think you're smarter than a GM, and yet. The most just generic group of people on Twitter are just repetitively smarter than this entire organization, and it's beautiful. Yeah, it's just it's unbelievable. But um, yeah, we I feel like we've ripped on them enough for a couple weeks. Well, hopefully they don't do anything stupid, and we can just kind of move on. But um, last team in this division, then we'll move on to the Central, the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, Busy as always. Uh, not I, I say we talked. About, we'll talk about the Dadenoff trade as well. Maybe they're least busy. I would say they're like, least busy, and they still did stuff too. It's not like they uh, just sat on their hands all day. But yeah, definitely they're least busy as some other ones. Um, uh, everyone thought you know when they they really got rid of some cap space. They're at three hundred and seventy or thirty seven k right now, Jesus. and they're over by thirty seven k. But. Though that seems pretty easy to work your way under, right? That's but, a paper transaction away from... Yeah, like Nick Hag, I don't think, needs waivers. So they're going to start the first day with five defensemen or yeah. whatever, probably. Or that thing Chicago used to do where it was like, you're sending them down for like six hours a yeah. day to free up 9K or whatever that ended up being. Exactly. Um, but yeah, like they, they freed up some money. Well, obviously, Chicago, and we'll get into Chicago taking Flurry in a second, but like... Chicago just took Flurry off their hands, so there's a free seven mil that they've been trying to get rid of for a couple years now, and it really helped. Obviously, you know, Desna level season at 37. Yeah. Um, and then could, didn't no one take him last summer? Yeah, they were actively trying to give him like a, a second rounder, but teams would only take like a first with Flurry. Yeah, which was the smart thing to do. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like I think there was probably like I would have much rather see Ottawa take a second rounder in Flurry last year than sign Matt Murray to a four year deal. 
That's fair. But, like, there was definitely, yeah. for most of the teams, it well, was... Well, I guess just so much cap space, I don't blame you for asking for, like, a pretty aggressive... Yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, they um, didn't do a ton on free agency day. Uh, they obviously traded for Dadanov. They gave up a third and Holden. Holden was in the minors, I think, for them anyways. So I don't really think that has a huge impact on their blue line. Uh, they re-signed Matthias Janmark to a one-year, two-mil deal. I thought that was really... Uh, Really good, to be honest. I would, that was fine. Yeah, yeah Mark felt like the guy who was going to get like really overpaid for no good reason in free agency. The like responsible defensive like third liner who some team just falls in love with for no apparent reason. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I thought it was good, but then yeah, they went and spent five point two five of their cap space on Alex Martinez for three more years. That was disgusting. Don't really understand that. He was good last year, and he was good because he was playing with Petrangelo, and I'm going to assume. I know who was driving that pair more than the other. Yeah, it was definitely not the guy who won the Norris the year before. Yeah, it was probably it was probably the guy who's put up four to five years of like actively not good results. Yeah. So um, yeah, other than that, they didn't do much. Uh, I don't hate the Dadanov trade, but everyone kind of thought they were going to be in the Eichel sweepstakes or like they were going to go get a center, like maybe even Dano. People thought, and they're like, no, let's go get another winger. Dano would. This is one of the teams that Dano would make sense for. Yeah, like. I don't know, and Dadanov's got two more years at five. Like, I like Dadanov as a player, and he can put the puck in the net, which this team does need. That's true. Like, maybe you'd argue to know doesn't make sense because, like, they, they're already defensively responsible, but they, they couldn't can, score. Yeah, driving XG has never been a problem in the playoffs. It has always been scoring goals for. Yeah. Yeah, so that could make sense. But So I don't really hate the Dadanov trade for that sense, but, yeah, I think people were a little underwhelmed when they actually freed up, like, I think it was ten million cap space, and they just did nothing. Didn't really do anything with it, other than go pick up a thirty-two-year-old winger. So um, we'll, we'll definitely see where that goes. But um, that's the first division gone, and we're thirty-seven minutes in. That's great. Right, I think we're basically on pace then. Yeah, it's not too far off. Um, let's switch over to the Central, the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, I've raved about their offseason all year. They have five second-round picks and two firsts. Six in the second-round picks. Is it six? Well, the Abs is a second-round pick. Oh yeah, functionally okay, yeah. yeah. But, like, technically they have two first and five second-round picks uh, in this what's supposed to be an absolutely loaded draft coming up. Uh, that's awesome. I think they've done all the smart things. And, and doing it under as, like, a cap team. Not a cap team, but, like, um, a budget team as well. Yes. Where it's, like, they're taking a lot of guys who are owed a lot less money than they actually have on paper. And, like... Eugene Melnick is salivating. Like yeah. It's just, like, this is exactly what I thought Ottawa should have done, like, two years ago or yeah. whatever. And, like, hey, you just see the absolute haul of picks that they've got because of it. Um, um, I, they're not going to be good this year, obviously. But, like, I think they might be not a boring team to watch. Like, there's a... Like, the blue line, I, I'm very curious to, like, see how Connor Timmins can fit in. And now this is definitely in there. Like, the, to the casual fan, no one's going to no, care yeah. what Connor Timmins is looking <laughs> like on the Connor third Timmons pair. Connor Timmins look good on when he has to step into a second pair role. Yeah. Yeah, just like, how can Ryan Dezingle bounce back after, like, playing fourth line in Ottawa? Like, will he get more of a role? Yeah. Like, those are just obviously super nerd things. But, like, just from a nerd's perspective, like, I don't think this will be the most boring team. I just don't think they're going to be very good. But I could see them getting a lot of, like, shootout kind of just up and down the ice kind of games. And... That's not the worst thing in the world if you're going to be bad. Yeah, a lot of their defensemen are really offensive, which will help drive scoring because it's not like Shane Goss despairs exactly shutting the other team down. Yeah, I remember they were like, I think, 
two or last year or two years ago, they were bitching that they had to come into the Central because the Central just has been better than the Pacific for yeah ever since the California team sucked ass. Yeah, for the past like six yeah. years. Yeah, I was like just that. saying, even when the California teams were at their peak, it was them and that was it because all the Western Canadian teams sucked. The Canucks were good in like in 2010. 10, yeah, you got yeah. to pretty far. 2011 and then but 2012 the, they were good and then they fell off a cliff. Yeah, the so. Canucks were good for a lot of the time the California teams were good. I guess. I like up there was like a four-year crossover, yeah. I guess. But yeah, like, but yeah, they were like Arizona's apparently bitching about being in the central. I feel like they're probably happy about it now because it's like, again, like I don't think this Arizona team can be good. But if they were in the Pacific, there would be a non-zero chance that they don't PDO <laughs> their way into a playoff spot just by the fact that every other team might be cutting themselves off at the legs, right? Where they it's like accidentally come in fourth. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like especially if they flipped for Seattle. Yeah. Like, Whereas, like, this division, there's no way they are finishing above second last. Like, it depends how hard the Predators tank. But, like, even the Predators have UC Soros, which is better than anything that Arizona's going to have now. We still have, like, Forsberg and Ekholm and yeah, more competent NHL talent than Arizona, at least. I think they'll sell Ekholm, but yeah. It um, feels like a deadline sell, though. Yeah, probably. Oh, it should have been a last year deadline sell, but you got to sneak true. into the playoffs. But no one could have foresaw it coming that it would have yeah. been better to sell last year. But, uh, yeah, much like Buffalo, they're going the way of, let's just see how bad our goaltending can be, playing Carter Hutton and a guy I've never heard of before. Yeah. Yosef Coroner. So, I don't play enough Chell to have ever even seen this name anymore. No. Um, so it'll be... Maybe they'll sign another guy. Maybe they'll just go in with that. But, uh, yeah, they're definitely clearly going with the classic uh, seal batter goaltending in Sinkus, and it's not like this roster is any good either. No. But, again, that's kind of what they needed. So good for them. on free agency day, they went and filled their roster with just NHL players. Like yeah, just warm bodies. Tra- yeah, Travis Boyd, Ryan Dezingle, like just guys you can probably prop up a little bit and then maybe flip for a late-round pick at the deadline and get a couple extra picks. Like kind of guy you should sign when you suck. Yeah, exactly. I I, th- I think they have probably had the best offseason of any team so far. Them and Columbus have been my two favorite. Probably, just yeah. like They've made it so easy to sell. It's been awesome. Like There is something where you should almost grade on a curve because selling is clearly easier. Way easier, Because yes. we always say that the team who sold the hard, like, yeah. the most effectively is the best, but like they definitely... But just because it's like when you're buying so aggressively, it's just like, it's hard to see how it works out, you know? Yeah. Like... Yeah, cause, and it's really hard to make a 101-point team more likely to win the Cup next year. It's really easy to make the dumpster fire of the team that the Arizona Coyotes were last year more likely to win a Cup in the next six years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like give them an actual plan instead of just randomly spinning out being the 19th best team in the league yeah. missing the playoffs, right? So um, on to the next team, the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, I... I want to talk about this team as little as possible. Uh, we've talked about the Seth Jones thing and how both sides deserve this. Um, just hopefully misery. Uh, it turns out Mark they trade for Mark Andre Fleury, and it sounds like he will play for them. He came out today and had one of the worst quotes you could possibly have. Fleury seems like a great guy. My God, uh, perfect tweet we saw was I'll pay one dollar for any any NHL player to read the room. Like anyone, please. And if anyone missed the quote, I'm gonna try and pull it up here. I don't know if I actually have it here. Well, he asked for it. I don't know what the question. Why I think it was like, what was your decision? Like, what uh, convinced you to actually come play for play. Chicago? 
And he goes, yeah, I talked to people around the league, and he includes like Leonard and that, and then I think a couple guys on the team, and everyone I talked to said about how classy their organization was and how well they treat their players. Yeah. And like you can just not have more of a tone deaf fucking statement than <laughs> that right you now. You couldn't just like name drop Jonathan Taze. Yeah, and just be like I'm excited to play. Like I like I know we would laugh at it, but like I'm excited to play behind Seth Jones. Or yeah. Whatever, right. Or just like. He played with Robin Leonard, and he said really great things about the goalie coach. Like, you could get around that so easily. But, yeah, no, it's just like, uh, yeah, no, they're they're a class organization. Yeah, especially treats their players and family well. It's like, oh, my God, like. Yeah, it's a tough one. That's like an onion quote. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They signed Jake McCabe to a 4x4. Jake McCabe is the weird. I could have sworn he was, like, 34. And he's been around for 27 years old and just had one of the weirdest career arcs. I don't hate that contract. Maybe a little rich, but he's got good underlying numbers, so. Yeah. It could be worse. It doesn't make much sense for Chicago, but in a vacuum. It's clear that they think that they can compete this year. Which is dumb, but. uh, Yeah, I mean, like, again, just looking at this division. Well, it depends how you define compete. Yeah, like, I think they're trying to make the playoffs. I don't think that they're going to be a cup contender. I don't know if that's what they think, but yeah, maybe they do think the playoffs. it. I think so. They should be... Like, it wouldn't shock me at all if they make a wild card. Yeah. Again, we talked about how bad the Pacific is. If five teams from the Central do make it, they're beating Arizona. They're more than likely going to beat Nashville. And then that leaves just having to beat one of Dallas, St. Louis, or Minnesota, or Winnipeg. Yeah, which... Which all seems very... Re- like... This team could be second in this division, and I wouldn't really... All it takes is some good PDO luck for them, or some really bad for... Yeah, like, all it takes is... Yeah, like, just some uh, shooting bender from, like, Patrick Kane and Marc-Andre Fleury throwing up a 924 like he's done twice in the last three years now. And Hellebuck puts up, like, a 912 instead of a whatever the heck he's been doing, and... Yeah, we're in the playoffs. Pretty quick. Exactly. Yeah, like second. I wouldn't bet on them to be second, but like it just. I don't think it would be. You wouldn't have to stretch your imagination so. Like if I told you Arizona was second in this division, yeah. you'd go, "Yeah, screw right off." But Chicago, again, unlikely, but not impossible. Exactly. Now they're gonna get massacred if they ever had to play a real team. <laughs> yes, like I think if they do sneak into the playoffs and have to play Colorado or Vegas in the first round, they're gonna get just like swept, killed. Yeah, but. Um, but even then, it's like, yeah, would they, they'll probably go in feeling confident they have Marc-Andre Fleury and <laughs> can steal a series here or there, right? So um, Career-long playoff hero, Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah. Um, I don't think we really need to discuss anything else they did. I don't think they did anything other than that. Not of note. I'm trying to think. I don't think they made it. Oh, they, they traded for Tyler Johnson as well. Oh, the Seabrook trade, yeah. Yeah, so they sent Seabrook's contract, picked up Tyler Johnson. So, which, like, again, like if you're trying to actually make the playoffs, Tyler Johnson and you have the cap space, Tyler Johnson and they got a second-round pick with them, not the worst deal you can make. Getting a pick with them makes it. I really liked it. Yeah, like it's... You can probably spend that cap space wiser, but, I mean, they're going to be bad sooner rather than later than they have been for a while, and... Picks for teams like that are never a bad thing. Yeah, exactly. So, um, th- this decor is very bad as well. It's horrific. This, like, this Vancouver and Edmonton, I almost want to, like, rank all 31 decors at some point. Just to like, see which ones. 32, I guess. Yeah, but, like yeah. the top five and bottom five, at yeah, least. Yeah. Like, yeah. But, yeah, this is atrocious as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, but we've ripped their offseason quite a bit already this year, so. And their um, team as a whole. Yep. Uh, on to Colorado. 
I'm in the middle of writing a piece about, you know, who what left winger or right winger, I think. I think left winger is probably where they really need someone still in the top six if they want to really solidify them. But um, the big thing, obviously, was losing uh, Grubauer and then... I don't know. Some people call it, it's definitely clearly not. Uh, I think it was clear to say it was a bit of a panic trade to go get Darcy Kemper, but at the same time, like people were saying, it was just the biggest overpay they've ever seen. And it's like if a team desperately needed a starting goaltender like Darcy Kemper at the deadline and paid a first and a decent prospect that they have a loaded blue line already with, you wouldn't really be blinking an eye. No, I don't think like. It was clearly a panic trade, but they didn't pay the price of a panic trade, so... I think my biggest worry is just that, like, they're going in with now Grubauer, who is injury-prone as all hell, and... Kemper? Or Kemper, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Kemper, who's injury-prone as all hell, and, like, Frank Kuz hasn't even played in a year because he was hurt I was going to say, he's in, yeah. So it's like they don't really have a backup option, and their starter might only play, like, 35, 40 games, which scares me a little. Like, come playoff time, I have faith that... It'll be okay, but just like in Once terms Kemper's of starting every night, yeah. Right? But in terms of the regular season, I'm a little worried about that. And I mean, I, I again, I, I really like Connor Timmins as a prospect. I always have, so I, I I'm going to tune in to see how he does in Arizona. But there was just no room for him on this blue line. No, Kale McCarr, Sam Gerrard, Bowen Byram, like they're they're staying there. Devon Taves is staying there. There's your top four for years to come. Um, and then, yeah, they signed Ryan Murray. They still have Eric Johnson on this team. And they went out and picked up a Curtis McDermott, which was a stupid pickup. But I think it's literally just going to be so if they have to play someone who likes to punch people around on a back-to-back, they'll throw him in. Yeah, and it's under. It's 800. Yeah, like they'll probably bury it. Um, um, and if he gets claimed on waivers. Yeah, and, and they also picked up Justin Barron in last year's draft, who's supposed to be like a decent prospect as well. On the, of course they did. Yeah, exactly. Like He played for Team Canada this past year, too. And yeah, I think they picked him up like 23rd overall last year or something um, in the 2020 draft. So, um, yeah, they signed Ryan Murray to a one-year $2 million deal. Don't hate it at all. I like this deal. Tyson Yost, two years, $2 million. Like that deal as well. Uh, Darren Helm, one year, $1 million. He'll be a fine fourth-line player for them, I would assume. Yeah, I think he's there's probably I don't even know if he's still fast because yeah. I didn't watch Detroit games. There might be better but, ways to spend that money, but it's also one million dollars. Like it's very limited of how bad it could go. Yeah, and there's like just not that much upside available for a million bucks. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, I don't know. I they're gonna run it back with a majority of the core that they had last year, and that was the best analytical team we have seen in like. Or one of the best we've seen in over a decade. So. Yeah, since the old Red Wings, probably. So. Yeah, and like up there with like post trade deadline Penguins, yeah, which wasn't was, a full year, but it was Mike Sullivan Penguins for a small amount of time. Yeah, so um, I don't think it's a bad thing to be running it back. Obviously, actually, I don't know if we I don't know if we talked about the Gabriel Landeskog contract either. That might have went after recording eight years, seven million dollars. I don't think we did. Now that he's talking, yeah, we didn't. Um, I don't hate that. I mean, obviously, you're signing until he's 36, which is a little rough. But, like, I don't know. Like, some people were – I heard people talking about, how, like, you look at Washington and it's like, yeah, one of the things is giving yourself a cap space and enough, like, to make multiple runs into your 30s. It's was like, yeah, but the thing is, the players they were paying were into their 30s too. Like, yeah. the argument against signing Landis Scott can't be you got to keep it so McKinnon has able to run into his 30s because – it wasn't just Ovechkin. It was John Carlson, T.J. Oshie, Nicholas Backstrom. Like yeah. It was the whole group that was into their 30s. And I'm not suggesting that Colorado needs to sign every single player that they have into their 30s. But like 
Yeah, like Ranton and McKinnon and Landeskog feel like a fine three to be doing that for, right? Like, yeah, I, I, I the end is probably gonna suck, but like, but, uh, at some in, point in eight years from now, too, like who knows if McKinnon is even gonna be exactly like you're so good now, you need to capitalize on it. Yeah, like the Gabriel Landeskog contract doesn't make sense for that many teams. This one it, it does definitely yeah. makes sense for them, even if. At the end of the year, end of it, we say, "Oh, his war value only ended up being worth fifty million over that contract instead of fifty-six. Mm-hmm. Then, like, because you know most of that's coming at the start, yeah. Which is when it's the same argument you made for Washington every time they sign a long-term deal, where it's like, and they're about. It feels like they're a year or two away from having to pay that price, but they won a cup, so it doesn't matter, right? Exactly. Where it's like you need to sacrifice some of this long-term to give yourself another chance, and they gave themselves enough chances that they finally won, where it's like, this is the exact same thing. And honestly, I think uh, Landeskog gave them a bit of a discount uh, for that eighth year, you know? Like, yeah. rumors were it was going to be closer to 8 or 8.5 if you went elsewhere, so. Exactly, and honestly, just like, if you're going to be competitive by the time Gabriel Landeskog's 36, like, to stay competitive for that long, you have to get super lucky at multiple points, and... Yeah, because it's the exact same thing where it's just like you're when the Bruins signed Patrice Bergeron, it's or like Brad Marchand. Brad yeah. Marchand is probably a bit better one than Bergeron. I mean, Bergeron was a yeah, top Marchand. three player at his position at the time, right? But yeah, like Brad Marchand, it's like you need luck that he is. I mean, they don't even need Gabriel Landeskog to go be better than he was, but like you just need luck that he's going to be this good into his thirties. And some yeah. guys have it, and some guys don't. That's a, but like. I don't think Landeskog's the worst bet to not fall off a cliff. Like No, and like I could see him. He's like a second, second or third or line player. player. But like, yeah, you can still put him on... If, as long as he's got some wheels and he can just sit on McKinnon's wing, like it's not going to look that bad anyway. Yeah, so. maybe add some value on the power play still or whatever. Like, yeah, there there's worse bets to make. And it makes sense given their window is wide open right now. So Yeah, absolutely. So, um... That's probably good for Colorado then. Let's go to Dallas. Uh, I don't even know if I could name a singular move that the Dallas Stars made. Oh, I'm trying to think. They did not sign anyone of note. Ryan Suter, actually. Four years, oh, 3.6. I don't really understand what this team is doing. Like, Especially, they want to trade like Klingberg, but yeah. Ryan Suter they're willing to give a term to. Yeah, like I just don't really... And, like, their core is just old. They don't have money, and Pavelski's about to be up last year, who was, like, their MVP last, like, or next year, and he was their MVP last year. Which is a disgusting sentence. Yeah. And, like, even, like, um, uh, who else is up next year? Um, oh, I think he's on IR right now. Uh, the Radulov. He's up next year, I want to say. Oh, yeah, there he is. He's up next year, too, and, like, He's regressed, but he's still a pretty important part of putting that yeah. puck in the net when they were going on their cup run. Yeah. And they don't, like, maybe they'll have the money. I don't think he's going to get a raise off of 6.25 at 36. So, like, maybe they'll have some money. I just I don't really understand what the plan is here because it kind of feels like a team that should have been getting to rebuild and then they snuck their way into a playoff, a Stanley Cup, cup final. final. And, like, it's hard, it's tough to say you fluked your way into a Stanley Cup final, but, like, 
They did. I mean, like, they, they earned did. it at the time, but it's not like anyone had Dallas going to the Cup Finals that year. And, like, even when they did, people kind of admit, like, yeah, it was the perfect mix of, like, an old core with, like, a couple 24-year-olds inject- injected into yeah. it, right? Like, Yeah, and it's one of those things where I think on Twitter some of the important nuance get lost because a team like Montreal this year or Dallas last year, like, they earned it. But that doesn't mean true talent is the second best team in the league or even particularly close to it. And the management group should be able to identify that. But, of course, they never can. Exactly, yeah. You have to take your feelings away from it. And if you say, okay, is this going to happen again or likely to happen again, when we say they fluked into it, the answer is usually no. Yeah. You know, so, like, it, it took everything going right. The other move they made was Braden Holtby, one year, two mil. I don't hate that. It's just uh, That's fine. Holtby bounces back. I am assuming that probably means Bishop won't be starting the year. Um because they also, like, I think the one thing that confused me about that is that they have, like, four NHL goalies now. Because they have Hudobin, Holtby, Bishop, and then they have um, uh, Ottinger as well, who, like, looked really good last year. That's kind of weird to block Ottinger like that. that yeah, way. so, like, unless they maybe plan on, like, flipping Hudobin and no Bishop's going to be hurt or something like that. That could be. But if they if their plan is to just keep Ottinger in the minors, that seems extremely weird to me. That does seem dumb. Um, but, yeah, um, the next team we got is the uh, Minnesota Wild, which their uh, offseason is still very up in the air. Kevin Fiala sounds like he's going to arbitration. Uh, Kaprasov still needs to be signed as well. Uh, I feel like they're going to bridge Kaprasov to, like, a three-year deal. They're going to have to now. Yeah, um, three or four maybe. And then, yeah, I, even Fiala, I think, is going to get, like, two or something like that. Whatever takes him probably a year past his first UFA year. Yeah. Um, but so we'll see what that those contracts end up looking like. Feels like those would be the easiest to win for Minnesota, like in terms of just like especially like Kaprizov. Like his true talent is probably above mostly whatever you can pay him, unless you're like throwing ten mil at him. Yeah, as long as you don't go nuts. Although, let me tell you, RFA contracts are incredibly difficult to win on. <laughs> yeah, it depends who you're talking yeah. to. Like. Um, if you ask Kyle Dubas, that is that he's probably like, yeah, geez, get ready, get ready. Those are the hard ones for yeah. some reason. You're about to be taken to the cleaners as yeah. he looks around the room and sees Braden Point signing into his UFA years for nine point five, and yeah, like it's not like Marner is a direct comparable at all. Like um, uh, who'd Florida just pick up from Buffalo? Reinhardt. Reinhardt, but like I bet you Reinhardt goes for like a fraction of the price that like a Marner does or whatever. It's like. Again, not direct. I'd much rather have Mitch Marner's true talent on my team. Yeah. But, like, if Reinhardt comes in at, like, five, you could maybe make an argument where it's, like, that extra six million cap space might be able to get you a better player. He's at least a steal relative yeah. to his contract. But, um, yeah, uh, Minnesota really didn't do too much. Signed a bunch of smaller contracts. Kulikov they gave two years to. John Merrill they gave one. So they're kind of just filling out the fringes of their team, really. And it makes sense, because they have a bunch of space on paper, but so much of that is going to be gone after those two very important extensions that you kind of can't go wild yet. Yeah, you kind of just got to wait. Um, so, yeah, there's not really too much to talk about with this team either. They need to sign a couple more forwards. They're at nine forwards on the cap right now. Um, I don't think, Ro- considering Rossi didn't get to play at all last year, there's no way he'll be ready. So, like, unless Matthew Boldy's ready or something like that, they'll probably have to sign a couple more guys. Which is fine, but saying what Minnesota Wild... Granted, that nine doesn't count Capricorn, so they're at 11 once Fiala and Capricorn get signed. Yeah, but so they can add... Two, two, they'll probably need two. They'll need one legit one and probably another 13th forward. Like. But the Minnesota Wild finally being boring again. 
It's yeah. nice to play the hits. Yeah, exactly. So after going absolutely freaking wild for like forty eight hours, and then yeah, uh, now it's just kind of yeah. We don't have that much to talk about right now, but I'm sure they will. Uh, Nashville again, another team that uh, we know they're going to be bad this year. They just signed a bunch of warm bodies. Really, like yep. their biggest contract was Michael Granlin, four years, five million dollars. Which I was shocked he came back. I do not understand the fit. I guess they just kind of want NHL players to be there. Which is fair enough, and like Granlin probably wasn't gonna get twenty mil in four years from anywhere else. No, I so he could so. probably even cash in maybe in four years and get another like deep, the two to three year contract. Yeah, another like four million dollars by then or something. Yeah, but like every it just everything signaled that Granlin was gone. Like the two sides were done with each other, and then free agency day comes around, and I guess maybe the grass just wasn't greener, as green as he thought. So they re-signed him and. There it is, but that's like literally the only signing of note I think that they made. Yeah. And Dave Riddich, I guess you can, if you want to call that of note. Big signing, but. yeah. But yeah, the Granlin one, he must just be happy living his life in Nashville, and good for him, I guess. Definitely worse places to be living. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah, the other thing I want I, we missed it with Calgary too is they just willingly picked up Nikita Zadorov as Giordano's replacement. Absolutely big brain play <laughs> for a third round pick, like. Just like the dude who could barely crack the Chicago top six is now Mark Giordano's replacement, apparently. Yeah, like, what? Isn't he, like, right-handed, too? Yeah, I think so. It's and just, horrible. Yeah, like, <laughs> just not good, that's for sure. But, um... That trade. Yeah, that was something I forgot to talk about, but yeah. That seems like the kind of trade that Chicago would have made this offseason, like, picking up the Zadora. Yeah, well, because, yeah, they traded him for Saad, like, one for one last yeah. offseason. Yeah, like Chicago seems like the dumb team that does that. Not yeah. I think it's the pick for Zadorov, but good but, for them in that circumstance. Yeah. Um, two more teams left. St. Louis Blue. This is a shorter division. This, this division was a little more quiet, but uh, that's all right. There's been a lot of episodes this week, anyways. But um, St. Louis, they uh, obviously they traded uh, for Buchnevich. They then signed him to a four year, $5.8 million deal. Love that. Great deal. Like, love that so much for them. Um, still feels like a Tarasenko deal will be on the way. Maybe not, though. Like, maybe at this point in the offseason, they're now sitting back and saying, if you want to play, play. If not, don't show up. We don't care. And then yeah. they'll see where things work out. Because I, I feel like he will show up if those are his two options. Yeah, because he has not much leverage if they're willing to just say, what can you do? You're welcome to sit. Yeah. Um, and then their other big move was picking up Brandon Sott. Five years, $4.5 million. That's a... A lot of money for Brandon Saad. Like he's a good player, but he's taken a step back. Like he was good. He, he had a re, he shot thirty five percent in the playoffs with yeah. uh, Colorado, and I feel like that was what was really driving his uh, payday. Yeah, and he's another like good, not great player that you just generally don't want to give term to because guys who are these. Decent to good second liners just don't tend to age that well. Him and Jane Schwartz always remind me a lot of each other. I could see that. Like, they each had years where, again, they were at least like a... First liner, and then yeah. at worst they'd be like a good second liner. Yeah. But then it's like, yeah, when they're 29, you don't want to give them multiple million at multiple years. Yeah, because those are the exact kind of guys. It's like, oh, they're like a mediocre third liner at best, and they're quote-unquote only 32. But it happens so often to guys who aren't that good to begin with that... You'd think you'd learn, but... No kidding. Um, and they also re-signed Ivan Barbashev, two years, 2.25. Barbashev sucks, doesn't he? He's horrible. Like, like, 
like one he's of the, really bad. You know who he reminds me of is like Brett Howden on the Rangers. Yeah, he's like a guy who had some clout coming in and just that's the only reason anyone knows his name. Yeah, he's not good. Uh, and they also signed um, Kairu as well. Two years, two point eight. That's a better. I think Kairu is better yeah. if I remember correctly. I'm also pretty sure he is. I can double check. But um, he got more money, so he's probably at least. Yes, yeah, he's, he's solid offensively. Struggles in his own end, but looks like he can put the puck in the net. So, and at two point eight, that's a pretty good deal. Um, and then they still need to sign Robert Thomas this offseason. I'm really curious to see what this team turns into this year. Like, I'm a little if their old guys can crank it back to where they were two years ago. I think they could be a threat, at least in terms of like a team that I could see challenging Colorado in like a playoff series. But like. They played Colorado last year and just got absolutely destroyed. And now all their players are a year older. And, like, I I think they got better because they picked up Buchnevich. But, like, Buchnevich feels like what they thought Hoffman will be, but maybe probably not a locker room cancer. Yeah. So, like, I think they probably got better, but it's just, like, like, is Tori Krug, Justin Falk, and even Perry Aiko going to get any better? Or, like, there's a good chance they get even slightly worse, right? Like, Uh Yeah. And And then... Binning. Like, they're going to need Billy Huso to be, like, pick up some start. And he's already 26. So, like, I'm, I don't know. They seem like a team, like, everybody's 99.9th percentile outcome is the cup because hockey's so random. But, like, they seem like a team whose 90th percentile outcome. So, the realistic ceiling is, like, losing to Colorado in a competitive six-game series in round two. Yeah, like... Yeah, or like, yeah, Colorado gets somehow upset in round one and they make a run to round three because they had an easier trip than they thought. And then they lose to a competitive Vegas, a competitive series of Vegas instead or whatever it is. Yeah, like, and and again, I guess if that's your true talent ceiling where it's like all you need is one or two things to break right and suddenly you're in the cup final again. But like, but that's already the top of your ceiling, so you shouldn't be betting on it or anything. But I think they'll be a playoff team. Like, well, obviously in about a month month and a half from now get into our actual previews but like again clearly better in Arizona kind of right in that mix then with Chicago Dallas Minnesota and St. Louis or uh, Winnipeg sorry so like yeah but like I would say they're at the higher end of that maybe you could argue I would say so like I would say I would take them over Chicago probably easily probably over Dallas easily as well I would say. And then... I think Minnesota's the big question. Minnesota, and I would say Winnipeg just for the Hellebuck factor as well. That's true. Actually, one thing, I guess we're about to talk about Winnipeg. They made enough moves on the blue line that were like... Yeah, I'm still worried about their forward core, though. Their forward core's bad, but it just feels like one of those things where... It's not even that it's bad, it's just overrated. Yeah. You know, like, because everyone's like always been like, yeah, they have as deep of top nine as like Toronto. It's like, no, they do not. Not close. Yeah, like, it's just like... Like, but it just feels like like Winnipeg adding a one more defenseman is like as impactful as any other team adding a two more defenseman. Yeah, because they were so but, horrifically bad. Yeah, the other thing I'm worried about Winnipeg is they have to actually use them right. Well, that's also true. <laughs> like I don't really like they they actively left Dylan Demello exposed so they could sign Logan Stanley to a two times nine hundred k. Yeah, and like and like they still have like Nathan Beaulieu on this rod like. It's, it looks like Vinny Hainola and Sammy Niku might be, like, phased out of this roster somehow again. Impressively. Yeah, and, like, like I I hope, like, a Nate Schmidt or someone helps Morrissey. But, the th- yeah, the tough part with that is, like, Nate Schmidt last year in Vancouver being so bad proves he's not 
scheme proof. Like if you use him poorly, it's gonna look ugly because it yeah. looked ugly last year when he was utilized poorly. Yeah, like so they're obviously like I have liked their offseason. I like I think the cost was a little aggressive for Brendan Dillon, but he's a good player. Yeah, that was another one where it was just like a lot of teams giving up two seconds for him is stupid. Winnipeg giving up two seconds for him is still probably stupid, let's be honest. But, but less stupid, right? Because their decor is so bad, like maybe it is. They also just casually don't have a backup goalie right now, which, like, again, like if your plan is just Rye Connor Hellebuck for 60 games, good luck. They listen to a bunch of nerds on podcasts saying Hellebuck was their whole team and they're just going to lean into it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, he played 82 if he's that good, you stupid idiots. (laughs) Um, But yeah, like, I don't know, like, their decor has pieces that it could be, like, at least mediocre, and the forward court had the pieces that it should be unreal, but it's just. They don't seem to ever work that way. No, and now it's at the point where they've been so aggressively mediocre for so long. Like, Wheeler's at the age where I... Like, we used to be able to think, like, oh, they're going to fire Maurice, and then we'll get, like, peak Wheeler back. Like, at this point, he's just not coming back. No, he's just a power play. Him and Connor are just power play specialists who suck so much ass at 5-on-5. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's just... All these guys are at the youngest in their prime, so it... Is unlikely that a new coach or whatever is just going to snap them into being absolute monsters again. Yeah, so I don't know. Like I, they have six million cap space to play with too, so I think they'll probably add. They only have ten forwards right now, so I think they'll probably add another they should forward be or two. On Tatar. Yeah, like yeah, Tatar, and then even just like like they should trade for like Philip Forsberg. That'd be cool. Like something like that. Retain Forsberg. Yeah, exactly. Because who cares? And yeah, and just go for it because like if they do that and they pick up a Tatar. Suddenly, you could play Blake Wheeler, and well, you could play Kyle Connor first line with like a guy who can try play. You could play Blake Wheeler on like a third or fourth line and first power play. Yeah, prop him up. Yeah, like and like that. Suddenly, this team would be like scary good. Probably again, not competing with Colorado good, but like their true talent with a hellebuck in that you could it's see them good, like yeah. beating Colorado, right? But they definitely need a couple big moves for that to be be the case, and we'll see where they go, but. Um, yeah, I haven't hated their offseason. I'm just very skeptical of the team in general still. But. Yeah, because to improve it to the point where they'd be legitimate contenders, they'd have to be smart and really aggressive. And they're definitely not really aggressive, and they don't seem like a super smart team either. No, at least coaching-wise. Yeah, like, but. they don't seem actively horrible either, but... No, like, like, they seem just kind of in the mushy middle. Yeah, they just kind of do what every NHL team does. Yeah. They'll hit on a good, like, they'll pick up DeMello or whatever, but then they'll also just leave him exposed. So it's yeah. like, yeah, it's it's clear that you don't, like, actively go and identify and know how valuable he is. It's just like, you thought he was a pretty good player and kind of is whatever, right? Yeah. But, like, he's just bat 500. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, that's our Western recap as well. An hour and ten minutes, about ten minutes shorter than damn Eastern bias. True. Um, I hope everyone enjoyed. Uh, I want to say, again, just thank you so much for the support lately. Uh, we've been reaching, you know, new highs that we haven't seen in about a year and a bit since we've been, um, you know, really getting back to regular. And there was a bit of a time there where we took a little bit of a lull. But um, I don't know about you, Chase, but it feels good to be back just about every week and cranking out content here. So It does. It's really nice to see everyone's enjoying it as well. So, uh, thank you, as always, for listening, sharing, liking, everything, all the support. Um, you can find me on Twitter, at NHL Send Stuff, Chase on Twitter, at CMHockey66, and my word at milehighhockey.com and lastwordonhockey.com. 
Um, and if you haven't listened to the Eastern uh, Conference preview or recap and you want to go listen to us for another hour and 20 minutes, um, that came out yesterday, so you can get that wherever you're listening to this uh, episode. So thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will be back next week. Bye.